Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Zeitcast. I don't know why I'm talking like that, except I'm a little bit jet lagged. I am back in Oklahoma City after a remarkable trip. It was so, so good to be in Northern Ireland and to be in the Netherlands, uh, but it's also good to be home. And I do want to get right back to business because even if I am a little jet lagged, Got something really on my heart I want to share with you today. I've been a little cloistered away from some of the broader currents of what's been happening in in terms of just faith and culture, but I have been following this developing story that I assume some of you have been, uh, because I do think it gestures towards some larger realities right now. Marty Sampson, uh, who was with Hillsong, songwriter for Hillsong, Hillsong Worship, Hillsong United, Delirious, Young and Free, etc., uh, put out an Instagram post a few days ago where he talked about losing faith. I know apparently he's clarified since that he hasn't entirely rejected his faith, that he's still in the process of sorting and shifting. And maybe shift is the right word here because I think so many people are, it is a little bit ambiguous. There's a lot of a lot of faith shift that's happening. And I think when I read those remarks, it just hit a really tender place in me because so many people that I care about, so many people that I know and love, new friends even when I was in Northern Ireland and, and in the Netherlands, walking around at open skies, I had so many individual conversations with people who are struggling to figure out where they fit into the story of God, to the story of the church, capital C, uh, to maybe their local church, which is so often uh, connected to the story of their family. So then um, where will this entire constellation of relationships land if I don't come to the right conclusions about my faith? For people who are in vocational ministry and experiencing some kind of a faith shift where livelihood is bound up in all this, I just think, you know, I know in Marty's original post, he talked about walking towards this kind of freedom. But even if you do feel like there's freedom on the other side, I've never known of a person to experience a faith crisis to go through this process of losing faith that didn't experience that as some kind of the process of that, as some kind of trauma, um, the, the pain, the sense of disorientation, um, the identity issues that are stirred up. It's profoundly alienating, isolating, and scary to lose your faith. And I just want to say, first of all, to anybody who might be listening, who's in the process right now of sorting your faith or what remains of your faith, I, I just hope you feel nothing but tenderness here uh, because there, there's just no judgment whatsoever about where you land or how you land. I think that how we relate to uh, our faith and to faith systems is complicated and it's a complex time. And I hope that you feel like that even the Zeitcast, that this is a space where you can breathe and you can think what you need to think and feel what you need to feel, not feel like that there's pre-programmed answers or easy answers to your questions. That's just not what this space is about. So um, I know that this hits a lot of just really tender places in a lot of people because it's the story of so many disillusioned, disenchanted daughters and sons of the church. So many of those people are my friends. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I have thoughts about the things that Marty posted. Uh, I'm not going to get into all this at length, but you know, um, I, I will admit that it does make me sad sometimes 
that I feel like a lot of people are kind of at this place where, and pardon me for shorthand, and once again, don't hear this as judgment in either direction, but I feel like a lot of people essentially um, feel like they've got two faith options. It's like, I can be a good little Southern Baptist, or I can be an atheist, you know, and there's nothing in between. I think especially for people who've had um, a, a kind of a deep background in white evangelicalism, there's sometimes this sense that that is the faith, like the entirety of Christian faith. And it's, it's really not. Um, I do wish people were more aware of alternative expressions of their faith. And I don't say alternative expressions. I mean, I think they're, um, they're, they're deep expressions. Um, you know, some of the things that Marty wrote about in his post, he talked about uh, how no one talks about contradictions in the Bible or no one talks about 4 billion people being sent to hell for not believing and uh, talked about how science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. You know, part of what I hear in that is just a real cry and a restlessness for a more spacious, more roomy faith. Um, where, where there is room for science. And, you know, what I've, I've had this conversation with so many people, you know, the church's tradition on hell in particular, in terms of how we understand scripture, is not monolithic at all. Um, I don't have time to go into all that today. I'm actually thinking about reposting an episode I did of Son of a Preacher Man with my friend Brad Jerzak on hell, judgment, and atonement that I feel like is crucial. Um, Brad is such a clear and lucid thinker on these matters. In fact, he's written the best book on hell that exists. It's called um, Her Gates Will Never Shut, Um, really a book that you have to read. But so many Christians throughout history have understood hell in different ways, reading the same Bible, being equally committed to Jesus, equally committed to uh, Scripture, but have had very different ideas about judgment. And I do get a sense uh, when I read Marty's comments that perhaps he's not aware of some of those expressions, uh, that it can be that kind of, again, all or nothing, Baptist or atheist. I know Hillsong's not Baptist, but you hear the spirit of what I'm saying. Um, I, I, I do feel like that sometimes there's a cry for a more spacious faith, and people haven't maybe been in places where they've seen that demonstrated or modeled. So I do find that unfortunate, and um, I have thoughts about that. But I, I, would, I don't want to even go too far into that, because today where I'd really like to focus my remarks more so is that I was just so baffled and bothered, really, by some of the responses I saw from well-known faith leaders in light of this, you know, because... Here you've got a guy, once again, any story like this inevitably involves deep pain, involves loss, involves disillusionment. And then all of a sudden, one person's story is turned into a metaphor. It's turned into an allegory about a generation that's falling away. And all of a sudden, this person turns into a personality. And it's a very different kind of conversation Uh, that doesn't have the stakes anymore of a real person living a real life in a particular time, in a particular place, with particular people. Um, The way that story is told is disembodied from any of the pain that happens there. And I I just think that's so heartbreaking because I can't imagine hearing a story about anybody losing faith with any response but but empathy. I don't mean to pick on him, but because uh, there were a number of responses like this. And some of them, I know John Cooper from the band Skillet wrote a response that kind of went 
viral. And, you know, a lot of it was all this, you know, kind of we just need to return to the word and, again, people falling away. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the word. I've never loved scripture more than I do right now. But how we understand the word, I feel like even there, um, you know, he talked about how, you know, Christians have wrestled with the question of hell for 1,500 years. But you get this sense that his understanding of this is that everybody has this kind of monolithic, what I would call an Augustinian understanding of hell as eternal conscious torment, which is not uh, where all Christians in all places, where great saints have have landed. Again, I'm trying not to veer too much into that, though. Um, even more problematic, though, I I heard responses from people like Franklin Graham was on Todd Starnes' show, and there was just this rant there that I, I felt like is more representative to me of a lot of the kind of more callous responses I was hearing that were more dismissive that just was really, really, um, that was just, was really harsh. Um, and there was this whole riff on turning his back against God and God's standards. And I feel sorry for them and people like this. They're in a very dangerous place to be out from under God's protection. And, um, all these assumptions that people who are telling these kinds of stories about their own lives, are just looking for publicity and actually ends with, I just say shame on them and you'll stand before God one day and give an account to him. You know, first of all, Franklin Graham is in no place to comment about any disillusioned daughters or sons of the church who are leaving the faith. It's like asking someone who's beaten their kids, why do you think they've left? Who the hell cares what you think? Um, People like Franklin Graham so embody what's so deeply wrong with white evangelicalism in particular. It's still shocking to me that there are people who think the story is that there are people who are leaving this faith system. Y'all, the story is not that there are sons and daughters of the church who are leaving this faith system. The story is that in many cases... The Holy Ghost left white evangelicalism a long time ago. That's The falling away is not now. The falling away has already happened. And as much as I'm passionate about people reimagining what it is to follow Jesus um, in, in a way that is, um, that is more holistic and uh, you know, being able to sort of um, reconstruct their faith, as much as that's Uh, what I want to invest my time and my energy in. I just, when I see people walking away in disillusionment and despair, the idea of somehow narrating that as the problem, I don't see it as the problem. In fact, I just think in this restlessness and in this stirring, there's way too much of the Holy Spirit at work in that. I'm convinced even that ultimately this will be a story of Revolution. Ultimately, this will be a story of reformation. But reformations are always messy. And yes, the pendulum does uh, shift hard from one side to the next. And once again, especially when you've been inside a certain faith system where you've come to feel that the house has become too small, all you know to do sometimes is to walk away. But the idea of shame on them, I'm glad Franklin Graham wasn't the father of the prodigal son. Because I think if the son would have come to that father and asked for his inheritance early, um, you know, 
Jesus, of course, keep in mind, comes to reveal the Father. That's what, you know, Jesus says directly to his disciples, that he and the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus comes to reveal the God that he calls Abba. And that Jesus comes to reveal to us what God is like. And in trying to communicate to us what that God is like, Jesus gives us this beautiful story of the prodigal son, in which we see a father who knows that his son is about to walk away, understands the implications, understands the stakes, and yet gives him the money, gives him the space, gives him the room. The Franklin Franklin Grahams of the world, who, by the way, he has named himself more among Fox and friends than the friends of Jesus at this point. The Franklin Grahams of the world don't give space for people to be on a journey. They give a lecture. They give a lecture. They give a talking to. They give shame. And instead of faith leaders like us, and I do include myself in this, wrestling with our own complicity in why so many people are disillusioned, it becomes so easy to scapegoat and shame our own children. I just find that to be so tragic, so deeply discouraging. You guys, I hate to spoil the end of the movie for you, but for so much of white evangelicalism, the story really is not that any particular people have left the house. But once again, that the Holy Ghost did. The falling away, if you want to call that, if you want to call it that, is something that's already happened. A lot of what is happening right now, I'm convinced, are the seeds of an awakening. That we're children of the church, in some cases we're handed a faith system that was already rotting and full of maggots. And I'm not going to be any more poetic about it than that. That there is a coming awake that sometimes what motivates people to leave faith spaces is not unfaithfulness, but faithfulness. And it just seems so clear to me right now that God is using those who are outside the church to judge those of us who are within it. (laughs) And that many people are on a road where they might have to leave Jerusalem or they might have to leave the temple in order to get to Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Not only do I love Jesus more than I ever have in my life, and I love Scripture, and I'm deeply committed to Scripture, I love the church. I serve the church. I'm a product of the church. But I have no judgment for anybody who leaves. And I think that rather than shaming and scapegoating, it really is time, especially for those of us who are faith leaders, but also for those of us who are just in faith communities, especially those in white evangelical spaces, to wrestle much more deeply with some of these questions as to why our sons and daughters are leaving. And instead of presuming that it's the devil, can we discern the purposes of God in the shaking? Can we discern something that the Holy Spirit is doing? In this shaking, is there a kind of awakening? Could it be that we lost our empathy? Could it be that we gave away our birthright for the sake of political power and privilege Could it be be that it's not Franklin Graham, our sons and daughters that are coming under God's judgment, but ourselves? 
Could it be that this is the moment not to call them to repentance, but to examine ourselves? Because that's what I hear the Spirit of the Lord doing right now. It's calling us to examine ourselves. And I feel like the, the invitation this moment has to be, instead of closing our hearts, um, instead of scapegoating, instead of blaming, there has, to be a, there has to be a sense of giving space. There has to be a sense of trusting in the goodness of God, a God who knows how to relate to his children. And I've said a lot of things, but I want to land on this, especially for those of you, once again, who find yourself in this place where you're asking the hard questions about your faith and you don't know where you fit in. Please hear my heart. I don't know what you believe about Jesus at this point, and I'm not trying to push anything down your throat, but I just hope that you know that um, there is grace for this place that you're in right here, right now. There's grace for it. There is grace for unresolved questions. And I'm not even trying to push you towards some kind of premature resolution. I want you to know there's grace for where you are right here, right now. And I want you to feel permission to feel the things that you need to feel and to see the things that you need to see. Because I'm telling you, my experience, so often that journey of doubt, that journey even sometimes of unbelieving, what feels like unraveling, is actually the first stage of, that's actually the path towards coming awake. That's actually the path towards revelation. So rather than shaming you for being on the road that you're on, I would even just raise the question gently, where might God be on the road that you are right now? Where is God on the road away from God? Where is God on the road away from church, on the road away from institution? How is it that even while you question whether or not the Holy Spirit could be speaking or God could be speaking, is it possible that God is speaking? What are these deeper undercurrents of the Spirit? Because I'm convinced that for so many people at the end, and I don't know where all this is going, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm not afraid of it sometimes, and I'm not afraid of what happens to the church, especially in North America. I'm not afraid of what happens with any of us, but my sense is, I really don't believe this is about, the story is about bratty millennials. <laughs> no, I think there's a deeper story of the Spirit of God who searches the depths of God and who searches our depths, who is doing a deeper thing. And in this sense of disorientation and uprootedness, that there is an opportunity for new songs and new stories to come up, that there is an opportunity for and one faith dying and one faith passing away for a broader, more expansive, roomier one to come and take its place for a God that's bigger, a faith that's bigger. And I just have to believe on some level that it is not the devil, but may in fact be the spirit of the Lord that stirs the restlessness. So wherever you are in your restlessness and in your wrestling, know that you are seen. Know that you are known. Know that you are not alone. Know that there's grace for this place. And whatever any other so-called fathers and mothers of the church have said to you, know that, um, know that there's room. There's room for where you are in the journey. That God is not insecure. 
that God is not threatened by the questions that you ask. And I tell you, a real spiritual father or mother won't be threatened either. They create space. They don't constrict space. They create it. They make space for your doubt. They make space for your questions. They make space even for your rejection. Because a real father or mother isn't looking to you for the affirmation that only God can provide. So I hope you feel that sense of spaciousness. I hope you know you're not alone. Thanks for joining me today on the Zeitcast. We'll be right back tomorrow. I want to encourage you, as always, as we're just a couple weeks in, it's so helpful if you share, if you like, if you subscribe, and uh, certainly if you support us on Patreon. There's a link via my website at jonathanmartinwords.com. So appreciate you guys who are partnering with us to make this possible. Thank you for everything. We'll see you tomorrow.